As the fall sales kick off, we wanted to do a deep dive into the horse market and thought there was no better person to discuss it with than Danielle Campbell. In this episode, we talked about everything. Pricing, deciding value, preparation for sales, auctions versus public sales, marketing stallions, purchasing embryos, you name it. This conversation is packed with knowledge from someone who has been there and done that in our industry, and we're excited to share it with all of our listeners. We will have part two of this conversation released later this week exclusively for our Patreon members where we discuss our thoughts on the pink buckle sale and who the high sell might be. Commissions and more for more than half an hour of extra content. If you're interested in signing up to get access to this bonus episode as well as the rest of our extended episodes and short go exclusive episodes, download the Patreon app or visit www.patreon.com and search the money barrel. Today's episode is brought to all of our listeners by Gold Buckle Horse Sales. You'll learn more about this program and their expertise during this episode and at the commercial break. All right, let's kick it over to Danielle and Kayla. This is The Money Barrel. This is going to be a fun episode. I have Danielle Campbell here with me, and I really want to have Danielle on to talk about herself and her career and her horses. But today, boring. <laughs> it's not boring. It's not boring. Um, but today we're going to talk about all things horse market, sales, buying, selling, online, auctions, all the things. Um, and I just felt like you are very honest and upfront about your opinion. So you'd be the perfect person to talk about this with. <laughs> I'm not even remotely offensive at all. Like, I don't ever offend anybody by speaking the truth. So, yes, this will be perfect. <laughs> Especially about horse sales. But, you know, we're right. we're all we're all about the truth. So, um, we asked some questions on or Facebook, see if people had specific questions about things. And we'll just dive in. And one of the first okay. questions that we were asked is... You know, for the barrel horse market, I feel like it's changed so much in the last 5, 10, 15 years. Like, where do you see the biggest changes in the market or where is the biggest market in our industry? Wow, I do think it changes so much. And I, I'll be really honest, I have a hard time keeping up with it also. Um, I... I'm kind of one of those, a few of us unique people that have my own small breeding program, but I also train and I also compete, mostly futurities, but, you know, sometimes still rodeos. So I feel like I kind of catch the market from every angle, you know, like the mm -hmm. breeder's standpoint and then what, and I sell horses. So what people are buying and my customers shop for horses, you know, that I train for. So I, obviously these incentives these breeders and stallions incentives, they've really changed a lot as far as what people are buying, what they're willing to spend. And like everything, it's going to to level out. And I think we have seen a little bit of that as of late, things leveling out in the, in the market. I, I think that the market's actually been down quite a bit recently. I do think maybe it's starting to pick back up right now as far as like selling selling prospects mostly like mm -hmm. in uteros young horses even three-year-olds like on track for next year i don't really think are selling as well or for as high a price as they were just a year ago at this time but the incentives have really changed the game for the most part just in the fact that even open riders 
you know, who are looking for a 3D horse, now they want it to be an incentive so they can go run for that money as well, where that was never an issue that you had to worry about. So it's helped those horses that are in incentives, but for the most part, I do think it's really hindered the horses that are not. And, and that's the one thing I dislike about them. Um, I mean, and possibly the only thing I dislike, so I'm not saying anything bad about these incentives. Uh, Lord knows that it's been a, a blessing for us as competitors to have ac- that extra money to run at, and that's why you see horses like Hello Stella that can win half a million in a year. You yeah. know, you go to these incentives that pay so much, and but it's never been something that could be done before. So it's wonderful for the industry that we have that money to run at, but you get some of these other horses and now there's kind of no place for them like I still have that old school like I came from the racetrack and wanted to ride claimers off the track you know what I mean and that's no longer a thing anymore because if they don't really even as a trainer and an owner if I'm going to spend that much time on something I want to take it to the incentive races so I get more you know return if it's a nice horse but even if it doesn't work out or if I get in a situation where I need to sell some horses because I collect way too many, um, you just, it really narrows the market or, you know, the pool of who you can sell to. So, and I ramble a lot, so I don't even know if I truly answered your question. Hey, if I don't, ask it again. (laughs) (laughs) We got lots of time to talk. Um, No, you did. And I think, I guess let's just break it down like kind of per section, because like you said, you kind of deal with everything and you know I've also wondered that you know we've we've had this talk a lot on this podcast about you know if junior sires are being hindered um we just talked to Ashley and Ashley's like you know I'm writing this great stud that's not in any incentives like but I still think people are gonna pay for his so I guess like just starting at the beginning like do you see a big market for like the embryos and in utero on like a private Scale, or are those mainly those no. type of things in the auctions? So I don't see it this year privately. And I'm always a day late and a dollar short. But I bred, I have, I mean, and I'll just say, like, I have three goodbye lanes in utero. Um, one out of, you know, repeat fame. And then two out of a El Shady Zerrero daughter of hers that, I mean, I think won a little over 40000 with a very limited futurity career because she's an El Shady Zerrero. So she mm-hmm. couldn't run in hardly anything, but was still a super nice horse. And I honestly, I have tried to market those in uteros for sale and like zero interest, none whatsoever. And I really did feel like for the price and for what last year was, I mean, I feel like it would have been different had it been one year earlier. So I know there's some exceptional in uteros that are going to be in the pink buckle sale this year. So I'm curious to watch and see what they bring. Yeah. But from what I can tell, and I understand that. Like I've, I've actually advised my customers not to buy in uteros when they see something come along and, um, and I, and I kind of know why, but sometimes it was just because of like the bloodlines tend to throw, you know, it, it, there's some bloodlines that I really want to see what I'm getting. Like the, yeah. let's just say there's certain stallions out there that even I like, but I won't necessarily breed to because I don't like what they throw consistently. So I, I want to see what that product is before I buy it. I don't really want to breed. So if there's an in utero bred like that, 
then I definitely advise my customers, let's not buy this one. And it was kind of ironic, but one of those that happened to sell in a sale not long ago is now for sale. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, that's exactly why I said we are not buying it in utero. I don't think that has to be a huge concern often because um, I, I do believe for the most part, well-balanced athletic horses are going to throw well-balanced athletic horses. So as far as, and I'm just talking about confirmation, how a horse is tied in and balanced as far as their confirmation. I'm not talking about like the crooked leg or something that can, you know, happen when you, when a colt is born, but, but a lot of times it's the only way to get your hands on something. So if it's being offered and, and you, you have a connection to that bloodline or you've always wanted something out of that specific mare, it might be your only opportunity to get it bought. So I do go back and forth with the, with the in uteros, you know, as far as being able to buy them, but I've seen a lot for sale and I've talked to a lot of friends that breed and I know that it seems to kind of be all very universal right now that the in uteros just are not selling the way that they used to. So um, I just think there's, and there's, it's all about supply and demand. Like if we're going to talk about the goodbye lane, I mean, the, the supply is much larger now than mm-hmm. it was even a year or two ago. Like I can remember it, not just myself, but other people at two different times last year, I had customers searching for a two-year-old, the goodbye lane Philly. And it was hard to find. I mean, they weren't just out there everywhere. And I do feel like they're a little more readily available now and, and, you know, out of great mare. So, obviously, when the supply goes up, the demand gets a little lower. And then the prices get lower as well, especially when it's just out of, you know, a good mare and not that cream of the crop great great mare. So, um, that's going to affect the market as well, as we know. So, the more there are of anything in the world, it's like trying to go buy a Ford truck. You know, they're, the price is up. The dealer can sell it for way more because... The supply was down. They're very hard to get. So now they can sell it to you for 20000 over sticker price, which isn't right. But they can do it because there's no supply and there's a high demand. So horses are no different. Um, I do think, like, getting into the ones on the ground, I always feel like weanlings have been a little harder to sell. You know, they never really look outstanding. They never look great. Uh, you wean them and... I think it's hard to really buy a weanling, but yearlings get to where, you know, you get get them sale fit, looking pretty good. People don't have to keep them as long before they can break them and start training them. But I have seen a little bit, you know, even the sales of those. Like, there's been a lot of really nice horses for sale on, you know, Facebook, online auctions that I just feel like have kind of went under market value price or just flat out aren't selling for what I feel like is a very fair price for them. And and that's why I said I feel like the market's been down a little bit this year. But I know my own personal sales have kind of started picking up with a lot more people reaching out and asking if I have stuff. But for a few months, it was like very... Uh, like it was like crickets around here you know I mean no nobody was really looking for anything when people are looking for for like those yearlings because I think I mean I would agree I think weanlings are probably pretty hard to sell unless they're at you know a little bit lower of a price um and I know a lot of the in uteros at least the ones I've seen don't come with live full guarantees they're like put insurance on them and so I mean I get that too um but when people are buying yearlings do you 
you know, see them more so trying to buy them as long yearlings, like almost two-year-olds or, or like right before, I guess they wouldn't be yearlings anymore. They would be two. But like that spring of that two-year-old year before they go to get broke. Because I feel like that's where the price starts to jump again. Right. Yeah. I think that everybody's a little more intrigued by, okay, I don't have to feed this horse for eight months before we can start it. So, and I, I mean, even with me, I'm the same way. And, mm-hmm. and if you're buying them through a sale or, or anything, they're, then they're generally sale fit and they look good. And again, I come from like a lot of racetrack background. So, I mean, I'm used to looking at a yearling. that's like an absolute beast. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, groomed to the T, sale fit, outstanding. And then, I mean, and I'm not saying anything about barrel horse breeders because I got a pasture full of yearlings back here that, I mean, they're well fed, but they got little pop bellies and their feet probably need trim. So I'm no different than any other barrel breeder, probably worse. And <laughs> half of them I probably can't walk out and get a halter on right now. So. <laughs> um, that's just the way it goes around here but so I definitely understand the appeal and waiting longer but I don't generally sell a lot at that age but when I I guess when I do it's you know they're usually well bred and and I don't really have an issue selling them but even if I, I know for myself personally this would be the age that I would be more intrigued to start looking at a yearling like when it's getting to be fall and I know that I can get that cult started this winter and and that and I I usually personally I mean I know most people want a horse broke and I guess if you don't really have a great cult starter or or, you know to start them yourself that it would be appealing to see a horse broken riding around but myself when we're looking to buy prospects I usually prefer them to not be broke because like most trainers i have that set you know I've got my own little program that I want to start them out through and go through and and then I know when they get into my hands and they're ready to get ridden I I know what to expect from them so I prefer buying them definitely before they're broke to ride like I have a hard time buying horses that are already broke to ride anymore I've gotten pickier and pickier as I get older um so I I don't want to I don't like to have to change a whole bunch of stuff but yeah. Um, the open horse market has stayed great. And I don't think when it comes to like those legit high, high end horses, like no matter what, uh, there's always going to be a demand for those. Again, there's not as many and people don't really care how they're bred. Um, I think that the more expensive the horse and the more it wins, the least people care what color it is, what gender it is. Like they just want a horse that can go in first place at a rodeo. And that market's always going to stay high. Like the people that can afford those kind of horses, they're, they're going to be able to kind of handle a little bit of a recession or, you know, things Mm -hmm. going on in the country and politically that kind of sets a few of the rest of us back and and makes us hang on to our money a little bit more. And and ultimately that's generally what's going to affect the market more than anything. And again, just having more supply of certain bloodline of horses that, you know, once upon a time were harder to get a hold of. This is going to be a really vague question that I don't even know if we're going to be able to answer because, of course, things... I I promise I have a vague answer for you, so bring it to me. Like, like pricing. When you are private sale pricing, like, do you think there is a category of age or horse that is can still be bought for ten thousand and under? What What do you think you can expect between ten and thirty, thirty and sixty, sixty to a hundred, a hundred up? What do you think about that? that 
It's funny that you asked this because I've had this conversation actually with a few people lately and like the high end top end trainers, like the, 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 the ones that we all look up to the very most. And it was legit. What's the difference between a $250,000 barrel horse and a $700,000 barrel horse? Can you tell, can anybody out there tell me the difference between those two horses? And if you want me to be very honest, the difference is how much you're willing to price it for. And if one person comes along that's willing to buy it, because I know horses that have been sold for way upwards of half a million. And I can't sit there and tell you that there's anything about them that made them worth any more money than the horse that was sold for 200,000 that I know about, you Mm -hmm. know, as far as record, how much they won. And I think there's a lot of factors when you're talking about those older horses that, you know, someone wants to go on and rodeo or go on with, obviously if it's a phenomenal mare and somebody wants to breed because the breeding thing is so big right now, then those mares can bring more money than what the gilding, you know, any gilding would for that added bonus of a reason with embryo transfers ICSI etc but there is no difference a lot of times in those prices and I fall into that as well if I'm selling a young horse like I feel like I try to price them fair for what I feel like the market value is um I mean I've I've never personally owned a horse in my life that has sold for six figures ever Mm -hmm. anything that I've owned. And I feel like I've owned some nice horses that were finished and nice horses that were prospects. So any kind of those numbers, honestly, they kind of blow me away. But with the prospect thing of a really young horse, I think a lot of it is how that horse is represented. Obviously, if the stallion's hot and something that everybody's looking for, but also what is the mare? I think, you know, we all start talking about mare power and then we get a little bit away from it because stallion incentives don't focus anything on mare power. So then everything gets about the stallion again. But at the end of the day, like if you have a a great mare who's a producer and was a winner or even a mare that's just beautiful and looks good and hasn't had a chance to prove herself as a producer, but she's bred right. If you have a daughter of Trace Says, you know what I mean? All those things that people understand are proven and they want, that's obviously going to make the value of your prospect go up. And then if you can take good pictures, make it look good. And a lot of times it's a simple matter of that, but I mean, all all ain't seen nothing yet are not created equal. All dash to fames are not created equal. You know, all blazing jetalinas are not created equal. So it really does start to go down to again. I mean, as the seller, how how gutsy are you in pricing your horse? <laughs> because I have had it happen before where I've seen horses priced what I thought was reasonable that didn't sell. And then the price got bumped up, and then there was more interest. Sometimes out there, there's that stigma of you get what you pay for, and people are like, why is it so cheap? And I've sold horses that people have asked, why is it so cheap? And I'm like, you can pay me more. Like, yeah, I'll let please, you. please. I'm, just, I'm, trying to be, I'm trying to be very fair with what I, what I feel like this horse is worth. And, you know, we hear the rumors about private sales and what horses sell for. And a lot of times those are rumors. Like I, I don't know. And, or it's for sale on Facebook for X amount, but doesn't always mean that's what that person got. And 
to be honest, this might be saying the wrong thing, but even when you go to a public auction, you don't always know if the number was legit that a horse mm-hmm. sells for. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of that that can go around at times too, and um, you don't know if somebody got bid up. You don't you don't know all the facts, but it definitely has given us a different picture of what prospects can bring and I think that's one thing that's difficult as somebody in the industry to see is we're going to experience the pink buckle sale here in about a month a little under a month and we're going to see some numbers that are going to be mind-blowing I looked at the sale catalog and there are some unbelievable unbelievable prospects in there they're going to go high and Unfortunately, it is going to make everybody think that their horse is worth that too because it's a three-quarter brother or by the same stallion. And at the end of the day, that's just not not factual. Like the mm-hmm. fact that there's going to be a winner's version sell with a pink buckle spot out of RC back in black does not mean that every winner's version should triple in price that you go to buy and that's nothing against the stallion I you know I don't I just threw that in there because honestly I think that's an exceptional two-year-old in the pink buckle sale so that was the one that came to mind but there's going to be a number of them but I don't think that that necessarily means every single offspring by that stallion is worth more like there are just I treat a horse like an individual so I guess when it comes to that pricing I price my horse as an individual, and I take into account what mares it out of. Um, I have a, a weanling, for example, by SME One of a Kind, which obviously is Lindsay Sears's phenomenal stallion um, out of Martha. He's by first. He's by first down dash out of Martha. So, and for me, she was one of my all-time favorite mares, and he was. I love first down dash. And then I also love her stallion. So I bred repeat to him and I have a weanling and I've priced him for a price that I think is unbelievably fair for a weanling out of repeat, honestly cheaper than I've ever sold any of her babies for. And I took into consideration just the simple fact that that stallion hasn't sired anything yet, just because he's not old enough, you know, like, he has one yearling, and then my weanling is the first, is only the second baby ever born by him. But so, I mean, I try to consider, and, but then I could have been like, well, this is so rare. This is a $65,000 baby. And you know what? It might be, but I didn't price it for that because I didn't feel like it was. Maybe if I had, I would have sold it. But I do think that you have to take all that into consideration. And is the horse, you, you know, or Colts user friendly by this stallion and and everything and so I guess if you asked a vague question and I gave you a very long winded vague answer but at the end of the day I just feel like horses have to sell as individuals and it's take into account what you have in them what they look like what the mare is I think people really have to understand the value of mare power and I'm going to throw this in there because I've heard it so much it drives me insane um well we only want a mare because if it doesn't work out or if it's not good enough we can always breed it I swear barrel racers are the only people in the equine industry that have that mentality like Racehorse, you can buy $1,500 thoroughbred mares that are by 
like stallions with over a hundred thousand dollars stud fee in the thoroughbred industry and if those mares didn't run on the track like that's what my recent mare herd is made up of you know what i mean or even even like i have a thoroughbred mare right now that's four years old that won 140,000 on the track i paid 1200 dollars for her as a recent mare because she wasn't even winning that much. She was not good enough for them to want to breed. So, and I'm like, and here we are. Oh, they don't, they're not good enough. We're just going to breed her, you know? And I'm oh my gosh. Seriously, we're the only industry. The cutters don't do that. The rainers don't do that. And, and there's a lot of ways a mare cannot be good enough. You can have a very talented mare that got injured. But I'm talking like, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like there's. But then when you go, you've got to understand when you go to sell that mare's baby as a prospect that it, you, you need to take into account the mare that it's out of. So um, that's where I think that the difference in pricing comes from. And those people that do take the time to sale fit and make those colts look good. And I don't. Like when I sell a yearling, it's going to be, hey, here's, here's as good a picture as I was able to get. Um, I'm going to try really hard to show you as much as I possibly can. And this is how it's bred. And this is what the mayor did. And this is what the mayor has produced. And that is why that, that's why I bred that mayor. And, and here's the outcome. And you can see it's a nice, well-balanced horse, but it's not sale fit. So, um, and that's what I look for when I buy one also. I don't expect a yearling to be, you know, sale fit and perfect. I know that that's unrealistic for a lot of people to be able to do, especially if they're in my situation. Mm -hmm. I think did I answer your question? You, yes, you did, actually. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I just, I think I wanted to ask because, you know, you always see people searching for things under X dollar amount or, you know, wanting to put prices on it. And I think our industry, like, I think the barrel industry is super behind when it comes to proper pictures, proper advertising, making horses look good when you want to sell them. And just like you said, like just because it's by the hot sire does not mean it's created equally. And now that so many more people are breeding, there's so many more horses out there that it you you're going to have to take that next step to get really good pictures and, you know, uh -huh. make them look good if you want that top dollar. Otherwise, right. you know, and I, I'm with you. I had a, a, a yearling that I sold to one of my best friends and this thing was feral. Like, it's, I could not hardly catch her at all. And she wanted her basically since before I even bred the mare. And, um, right. you know, I probably, had I have taken the time to prep her, get her handling better, get her taking pictures, who knows if I could have got more money for her. But, like, I took that into consideration when I priced her. And, like, you know, some people were like, oh, I can't believe you sold that thing. I'm like, well, one, besides the fact it's going to my best friend, that's a different matter. But, two, like, yes. I knew I didn't take the next steps to try to get that super elite price. You know, the yes. auction and prices. And, yeah. you know, I just think people need to consider that when they price something, especially, like you said, these in uteros or something like that, that it's like there's so many more available now. Yes. The the good, well-bred horse of 10 years ago now is kind of like, okay, like, it's it's decent, but it, it's not the next level of breeding that I think our industry is going to. Um, right. You know, we talk. Yeah, and there are so many. I mean, I have 
friends that they're like, oh, we have 17 frozen embryos out of this mare. And I'm like, okay, well, and this is why. And I understand because I have, I've done some of that myself. So this is in no way dissing the people that are doing that. But you are you are devaluing each one because there's so many. And I think mm-hmm. racehorse people kind of have that figured out. You know, they're very careful how many times they'll breed one of their great quarter horse race people, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't do it with thoroughbreds. But they're very aware of how many they're putting out there because they understand that they take the value away from each one the more that there are. So you don't really see... Yeah, anytime that there's more, there's you're going to get a little less, but there are. Like, we have the cream of the crop now. Like I said, you look at the pink buckle catalog, and it's mind-blowing, the mare power that's that's in that sale. Like, it's absolute, it's it's incredible, really. Like, it's amazing to see. So, yeah, and the industry's going in some cool places. Disclaimer, just so people don't come and try to burn our houses down, because we talked about <laughs> mare power and mares not being good enough. Um, you know, I think it's important to remember, too, that if, if say, if you have a mare, I'm going to take uh, Lisa Lockhart's levy, third levy, example. Yes. But yes. they, Tinley and Sam took that horse, broke it, raised it, proved it right. that it was a producer, and then now look at what he's doing. Like, if you have that horse of yours that, you know, I may not recognize its papers, but you think it's an awesome producer, you might just have to realize you're going to have to be in it for the long haul and Prover is a yes. producer, and that's totally fine. Like, go ahead and yeah. do that. Yeah, you don't know what mare is going to produce until they do. There's great mares out there that don't produce well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's mares like that that do. And actually, it's funny you brought that horse up. I think that's the one that stands out in all of our minds when we talk about mare power is um, we talk about Levy because you look at the bottom side of his papers and – I'm not saying that that wasn't a good mare. I don't know anything about that mare. Yeah. But I know about Levy, and and that definitely. So when I say that about mares, and that's what I mean, is you got to understand if that mare is not proven yet in any way, shape, or form, and you want to sell its colt as a prospect, you might not get as much as you think you should get exactly. for that reason. But that's not what they did. They sold Levy once he was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and then it proved that it helped prove that that mare was. And, and even when you have a young stallion, I mean, there can be young stallions that are bred awesome that went and won and people are giving discounts to great mares because they understand the importance. They understand that they're going, you know, the stud fees go up over time, just like mares' babies' values go up over time as they prove. But, I mean... It wasn't just a couple years ago you could breed to the Goodbye Lane for $3,000. And, I mean, he's in his 20s, so before that it was even cheaper. And now we're at 9800 because yep. as, as, as the offspring wins, they become worth more. So it's the same thing with a mare. So, but, yes, I'm the same way because I am a firm believer that um, you don't ever know what mare is going to be a producer until they prove that they are. So mm-hmm. I've never, I, I'll look at how a mare's built and how she's bred more so than, you know, if she's had all kinds of barrel colts that have been in good hands and none of them have been good, that's going to affect me a lot more than just like, 
I don't need anything out of a barrel mare that won six figures or anything like that. But I will look at the pedigree and stuff like that. But yeah, there's always an exception to every rule. So, but I'm with you. We don't want anyone to burn our houses down. Please don't. We've all gotten outrun by horses that we're like, it's bred like what? So, like, I'm definitely not a pedigree snob whatsoever. But, again, we're talking about selling prospects and what makes certain ones bring more than others and worth more. And that is an element to it is is the mare it's out of. So, I mean, what was the one mare? I'm going to sound really stupid right now, and I don't want to. It, she got sent to Brazil. Um she was the dam of run and ricochet bar that Latresa ran and this mare was um I don't know if you have Equibase in front of you. I'm I'm looking right now. Um, um it was she a rare bar mare, slow start, fast yeah, finish. She was a rare bar, but like nothing super that anyone really thought of. But the, because of run and ricochet bar, the Brazilians bought her a long time ago. And that mare is, like, one of the top producers in Brazil. Like, she was mm. a dam of one of the more recent horses that held the world record on a standard pattern down there also. And they say that her babies are phenomenal, baby after baby after baby after baby. Like, they're just all barrel horses. So, I mean, and I don't – I like Rare Bar. Like, I'm a fan of Rare Bar. But, like, there is a mare that, I mean, who would have ever known that she would have turned into something like that? So, any – there or anywhere that maybe never ran on the track but was race bred doesn't mean that they can't be a producer they just have to prove themselves as one before their babies are going to be worth more money exactly when you're going to sell something how do you decide private sale or auction or online versus in person like what are those factors that you think for or how how do you think people should decide For me, I'm generally a little lazier about it, and I know that that's not the right way. And there are some cool new avenues, I mean, because there's the gold buckle sales is one of the online sales, and they do some of the hard work for you. So, like, and that's, for me, that's an option that, you know, helps people, even like myself, who are in my situation, because they come out and they'll take that professional picture for you. Like just have your horse looking good, have your horse clean and have your horse fed appropriately when they show up. And then they will do everything for you. They'll take the pictures. They'll take the videos that people want to see, but you still do have to have your horse halter broke. a yearling, <laughs> you know, you have to, you had to have done your homework, but I do think that there's, um, I am a picture snob. So I understand fully like, what the true correct stance is profile picture i'm not saying three-quarter pictures are bad for stallion ads any of that but like if if i'm buying a horse i need to see a profile picture of that horse set up properly and there is a way that is universal that is proper way to stand a horse up and um if you don't know what it is google any famous stallion thoroughbred stallion because they understand the importance of this because that's where you get speed and really most photographers with quarter horse race horses um cutters like they're almost always in the correct stance and and you'll see and they're like that for a reason because it shows you the true slope of how their neck ties into their shoulder truly how how their leg sits underneath them or out behind them whatever but i need to see that picture before a horse even piques my interest and um 
for example, like I'm going to get off base here really quick. I went through the entire pink buckle catalog last year and I picked one horse. Not that there weren't a lot of great horses in that sale, but I picked one horse and that entire sale did not even look at how she was bred. Just looked at the pictures because I really like to choose my horses based off of how they look as an individual and I don't get caught up in pedigrees. And I picked her because of how she was balanced. And she was my number one pick. And I looked how she was bred and trained by Roar out of a daughter of Dasta fame. I didn't even know. I was infatuated with her. I did not even know until the day before the actual sale that she was out of High Cotton Lane's mother. Oh, wow. I just knew, I just knew she was out of a daughter of Dasta fame. I didn't even read anything about her because I just saw how she looked. I just saw the picture and made a note, go see that horse in person. And, and then I did. Um, and I, I loved how she looked in person too. And then Jamie Steiner was with me and I was like, she's a half sister to High Cotton Lane. And I mean, my initial reaction was, oh yeah, I can't say it on here. I'm like, she's going to be too expensive and I'm in love with her. Anyways, long story short, she's now in my barn and she's in training. Oh, that's exciting. I bought her because there was a photograph of her that showed how well balanced she was. I bought her because of a picture. I didn't buy her. A customer did. I picked her because of a picture that depicted what she was. And then here's the key part. Then when I saw her in real life, I saw a true representation of the photograph that was posted. The horse was not photoshopped. She was not edited. I saw in real life the same horse that I saw in person. And I cannot even begin to tell you as a trainer and a breeder how important that is to me and how much I believe in that. Um, I want to see the horse in its most balanced stance without being edited. That's how I'm going to choose a stallion to breed to, and that's how I'm going to choose. um, I'm going to choose that prospect to buy. This week's episode is brought to you by Gold Buckle Horse Sales. Gold Buckle Horse Sales is a premium online auction platform for the sale of a variety of horses. Their process helps take the second guessing out of buying a horse online or sight unseen. Their process is simple. Consigners need to submit an application to be in the sale, and once reviewed, a Gold Buckle Pro will reach out to learn the ins and outs of your horse. At this time, when the horse is approved for the gold buckle sales, their team sets up a demo day where professional picture taking and videos will be done of your horse. And this is when the gold buckle pro can preview and ride them. Your consignment fee is going to work for you, providing these high quality videos and photos, not just paying a fee to an auction house. They go through their extensive checklist to give the buyers confidence in their purchase by providing an unbiased third-party evaluation and impression. At this point, Gold Buckle will list your horse on their auction site and provide 7 to 14 days of consistent marketing prior to the auction, including all platforms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and through email. They have had ads reach over 200,000 people, which resulted in 4,500 people looking at a sale catalog recently. Their 36-hour sales on their website, www.goldbucklehorsesale.com, 
have offered some tremendous results, including sales of over $80,000. If you are interested in Gold Buckle Horse Sale as a way to market your horse to the industry, reach out to them on any social media platform, visit their website at www.goldbucklehorsesale.com or always feel free to send an email at sales at goldbucklehorsesale.com. Now, going back to these sales, like with the gold buckle and, and how I would sell a horse, with the gold buckle online sales, they do that for you. Like, they mm-hmm. understand that. And there are a lot of people who do not understand, and it's nothing against them, but they do not understand the way that you need to take a picture. They don't understand that if that hind leg is two inches further back, it throws off the balance of your entire horse. Or if their head is a little too low or a little too high or their front feet are spread a little too far apart, like it all matters. I mean, there's, if you don't believe me, you just look at like the fashion industry and how much models make, but even more so how much photographers make Mm -hmm. to take pictures of the most beautiful people in the world. There's a reason that photographer is getting paid as much as he is because he understands angles and how to make everything look perfect. Like, you're not going to show up with your cell phone and take a picture of Giselle that's going to be on the cover of Vogue, okay? Like, they have professionals that understand how things need to be angled to look right to sell the product, and that's important with horses. So, um, again, there's a lot of avenues. If you, if you want to put your horse in a sale, um, you need to probably, unless you have the capabilities and understanding of how to truly sale fit your horse to have it looking its best, you need to send it to, there's professionals out there that sale fit. I mm-hmm. mean, Lance Powers sale fits horses. I did a podcast with him last year that went through the whole process. And, and yeah, it costs a little extra money. But if you want to bring top dollar, that's what you need to do. But for myself, um, I, I'll make little ads on Facebook sometimes that'll kind of show hey this is a list of what I have you know just a quick list with no photographs and then I will do my best to get photographs but if I'm going to actually advertise personally a horse of myself that I'm selling or for or that I have in training I generally have a nice a very good photograph that goes along with it I generally will have a video of that horse walking just being led like walking in a straight line because that's very important for me to see also and then you know if it's riding then obviously those videos to go along with it so I mean there's multiple ways you can go about selling a horse but I do think that you need to be prepared without a doubt that people are going to want to see videos even if it's young they're going to want to see how the horse moves and they are going to want to see photographs that show truly what that horse looks like their front legs they want to make sure the horse is straight I mean from the side have them on firmer ground so there's no you know grass I mean like again the sport's getting to the point and especially when you have trainers or people who really know what they're looking at you know calling and that about your horse you need to be prepared that that's what you're going to have to provide so yeah, I think again, that's important. Online sales that, like the gold buckle sale, that offer a lot of that stuff for you for a, you know, as part of the consignment fee. So you're not having to pay a lot of extra money to be able to do that. Like they do the hard work for you. 
Yeah, I think that's really important to to bring up. And, you know, I have my own stallion incentive. And I see so many great stallions, like bloodlines and everything, come in. But their pictures, I'm just like, we've got to do better. Um, And it's because, and it's the same thing as selling horses, there are so many. So you can just set yourself apart by getting that really good photo. And I've, I've been there personally both ways. I just got professional pictures taken of both my mares for the first time this year. Had no idea how much work it it got into it like it was it was very time consuming and um i mean my photographer does a bunch of sales she stephanie webb she's fantastic and she's like just you do what i say she's like because i can see them like i know what they need to do even if you think it looks okay um so i learned a lot there and then i tried to sell a horse all spring and i thought i had I was that person, iPhone photo by myself, tied to the fence, (laughs) thought I had a good picture of this horse. And I like took it out riding somewhere and somebody saw it and they're like, is that the same one you posted for sale? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, wow, it looks way better in person because your picture is not great. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah, that picture just makes it look out of balance. And I was like, well, I appreciate your honesty. Like, okay, I'm not a photographer. I'm going to go get help. Right. And it is, and I mean, in full disclosure, I photograph my horses with my iPhone, but I do make sure that they're stood up properly. And I think that's the biggest thing is I don't need professional lighting and all that just when I'm selling a horse. But, um, but yes, it makes a huge difference when you have a little, it's very hard to get a great picture of a horse that's tied to the fence that truly shows what they are because every once in a while and I always have my phone in my back pocket when I'm walking around and I'll see like one of my customers horses and it will be standing perfect and I'm like oh my gosh I gotta take a picture Mm -hmm. because it is it's hard to get one to stand up that way when you have a halter and lead rope and a handler you know what I mean so if they just so happen to be perfect I'm always taking pictures of that what do you think you know you said like you use gold buckle for an example um and what do you think the value is of having somebody like that that knows what they're doing come in and I know that you're a, a gold buckle pro and have helped people before um kind of find those horses just like you said I think there's a good amount of people that flat out don't know I mean I was one of them and and like, right. what do you think having that season set of eyes that has a checklist to run through, like really does to kind of help, I guess, give your buyers and sellers faith in that type of right. like platform? So, like what happens if a person consigns their horse to the gold buckle online sale is you'll, you'll kind of submit a form to get approved and, and they do have a little bit you know that they go through and have you go through to make sure that the horse is going to be a fit for their online sale I don't think you can just sell whatever in there although I think they might have run, did one of the rope horse sales that had a donk a mule in it but it was a rope horse mule I think it was them and that was kind of cool so <laughs> but otherwise you know I mean they definitely make sure that there's some criteria not that mules aren't cool it was it was cool but um And then what they do is they generally either have you go to, there's certain pros out there, which you said, I'm one of them. And and it'll just be somebody like myself who's in the industry and kind of understands what they're looking for in a horse. And 
Every horse that I've gone to look at for the program has been a, a yearling, so I haven't ridden anything. But basically, they have us go and we look at the horse. And when I show up to look at the horse or when someone shows up here, the professional photographer and person doing the videos is also there. So we do everything together. And I'm going to go through the horse. I'm going to look at it. I'll lunge it. I'll walk it. We're going to take professional pictures, stand it upright, and and I'll do some talking and give my opinion of the horse, its demeanor. I'm going to load it in and out of the trailer. Um, I'm going to pick up its front feet and, and just kind of handle the horse and see how the horse handles. And luckily for me, everything that has been presented towards me, even though they're just yearlings, have, people have done an excellent job in preparing them for it. So again, you still as an owner have to do a little bit of homework if you're going to sell a horse and want to get top dollar. But uh, with the gold buckle sales, if the horse is old enough to be ridden, then it would also be my responsibility to get on, ride the horse, um, lope circles, do, do whatever the horse is able to do. And the one thing I do think is super cool about that, even though I will admit, like, I, I haven't had to do it, but it is something that I'm a little bit like, oh, I don't know about just jumping on somebody's two-year-old. You know what yeah. I mean? And then is it really fair to the colt if it's only ever had one person on its back and I'm going to ask it to do things differently and am I going to be able to show this horse on video to the best of its ability? But I haven't been in that situation. But I also think it's important because we've all been there and we've all seen it. And there's, you know, videos of this colt for sale and you can tell that there's two videos spliced together, you know, in between the first and second barrel and I, I don't think that's the end of the world I mean it makes me laugh a little bit when I see that but it was probably a simple matter of oh the colt didn't catch his lead you know as smoothly so they just like spliced another video in with it but I mean it's noticeable but when a pro goes if you're a buyer and, and you have those videos on the gold buckle sale of somebody else on the horse who's never been on it before and it's just getting videoed for your benefit as the buyer, not the seller's benefit, you're going to see more realistic raw footage of what that horse truly is because it wasn't like, okay, we're selling, you know, Frenchman's famous firewater, take 37. Maybe he'll make it through the pattern this time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're going gonna to, it's not going to be like how many times through did it take to get this video? Um, you're going to see a much, much better representation of what that horse truly is because you have someone on it that's never been on it before. And then, if I'm that pro, then I'm going to discuss and, and hopefully I only discuss everything that I like about the horse and it is my responsibility to like hey this horse feels unsound this horse feels I don't like it it's kind of in my hands a little bit to say I don't think it's wise to sell this horse in an online sale and the gold buckle people they definitely take that into consideration like if I if, it, if I come to them and say this horse is not good. This horse rode terrible. This horse was unsafe. I mean, they're not going to represent the horse in the sale. So I do think there's an added safety factor with that, um, especially if you have knowledge of the pro who's looking at the horse or, or whatever. But the videos are certainly cool. And I have never consigned a horse to their online sale, but I have purchased one through it and there were x-rays available that I was able to send to my vet 
ironically, my vet bought that horse from me now. He owns her. She's a three-year-old I have in training. He liked her so much that, and he's like, well, I know I don't need the x-ray her because I've already seen him. So, you know, the x-rays, it's the seller's responsibility to have x-rays on hand and to have the horse ready for the pro to come in and, and look at and evaluate. And then you get to hear that pro's evaluation and the x-rays are there and ready. You don't have to schedule your your pre-purchase exam and worry about getting the horse to the vet and, and all of that. Everything is right there ready for you when the horse is listed online for sale. So it, it is a, a simpler route to go without and, and I love a public auction. I really do. I love the excitement of it. I've never consigned a horse to one, but I love the excitement of being at a sale and bidding and watching people bid and people get caught up in winning. And I think that's why even an online auction, you get really, every time I've bid on a horse in an online auction, I've had a cap and I've went over that cap because <laughs> right. all of a sudden I want to win, you know, like I want to win. Yeah. So it, it does have a different feel, but you know, when you buy it through one of these online sales, you generally don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, I need a trailer right there right now to get it home. And I mean, that generally give you a week or so to figure out a way to transport the horse out of there. So there's a lot of perks to selling your horse that way. You don't have to haul it to a sale. Um, you know, if it's a yearling, you don't have to sale fit it, but I strongly urge that you have it looking as good as possible. I mean, it's, the horse market's tough. It's, it's, you know, we're going to have highs and lows with the economy, but at the end of the day, like it's just, it's, it's tough. There's a lot of nice horses out there. So the best that you can prepare yours to sell and have it ready to sell and, and looking good and go about it the right way and make sure anything you put on, on Facebook, you know, anytime you post any pictures or videos of your horse, understand that they're still going to be there and people do their research. So if you posted a horrible video making fun of your horse a year ago, someone's going to do a, a, a little search of, you know, that horse on Facebook, they're going to find that video. Like I know this because I see it. So always keep that in mind when you're, be careful of the content that you put out there and not in a dishonest way, but you know, just in a way that you're, I think that a lot with stallions, like, people will just go take a random picture of their stallion standing all sprawled out and not looking good. And I'm like, gosh, you should always make sure when you post a picture of your stallion, it doesn't need to be professional. I'm not saying you can't post a candid picture, but mm -hmm. again, like I said about sometimes a horse is just standing there perfectly on its own. I'm going to take that picture. Yep. Just make sure when you put something out there on a product that you're trying to sell something from, that you're showing it in its best light, even if it's you on your own. So when, again, very long winded answer. Very no, long winded. I, I love it. Cause it's just, it's, I think that they're just such good points to bring up and to think of in, in the angle. It's to try to make money in this sport. That is really hard or impossible to make money in. <laughs> so anything yes. you could do to do it better. We can't thank you enough for tuning in. If you loved listening to Danielle, don't forget that we will be releasing about 40 extra minutes with Danielle on the Patreon app later this week. That is basically a second episode with Danielle. Download the Patreon app on your phone's store or visit patreon.com and search the money barrel to subscribe today. Thank you to this week's sponsor, Goldbuckle Horse Sales. If you have any questions, you can visit their website at goldbucklehorsesale.com. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.